Welcome everybody, it's your host, Taylor Smith, and you're listening to Read the Room, Sis, where I lead us in conversations centered around navigating young adult life as a Christian in this pop culture revolving society. Join me for new episodes every Friday at noon. And it's that time, so sit back, grab a snack, pop those dogs up, and let's read the room, sis. Hey guys, I hope you guys have had an amazing week. Happy Friday. You are listening to Read the Room, Sis, with host Taylor Smith. Um, If you're new here, thank you for coming. If you're coming back, thank you for coming back. So let's go ahead and get right into this pod. Um, We always start off with office hours, which is where we talk about what's been going on in my life recently. And it's the first week of classes. So things have been kind of hectic, but I think all my classes will be nice and smooth. And my professors seem absolutely amazing. They're lovely, they're kind, and they seem passionate about what they're teaching, which is always a plus. I do have a special announcement for you all. So some people have expressed to me on my Instagram and through other means that they would love it if I could record the podcast. They want visuals. And so I'm in the works of getting the equipment that I need to record. The only thing is, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I am a college student, so I will not be recording every single pod visually. Some of them will just be these audios. But I will make sure that I record the ones with guests and that I record things that I think you guys would be super, super interested in. Um, Because I want you guys to have fun too, and I want it to be enjoyable. And so if you guys want to see me, I guess I'll record. (laughs) Um... But yeah, so that's in the works right now. So hopefully maybe in like the next two or three weeks, I can go ahead and get these guys uploaded for you. Um, What else has been going on? Oh, 10 days, y'all. We're on a countdown. We have 10 days until your girl is 21, okay? And I'm lit. I'm lit. But while I will be enjoying my first legal drink ever, I'm going to keep it cute because I am a Christian and I'm not going to get drunk. I'm going to enjoy one drink as a celebratory toast to 21, but I'm going to keep it cute and I'm going to keep classy. Um, but I'm so excited to turn 21, y'all. Like, I really, I used to be scared of getting older because I don't want to feel like the older you are, no offense to the old people, <laughs> but I was like, 21 is getting old, but <laughs> I've calmed down now and I, I know that wisdom and things like that come with, like, years, so I'm super excited about turning 21. I'm just a little nervous because birthdays mean so much to me. I'm a big birthday, a big holiday person, and I just want it to be super memorable. I want it to be shared with the people that I love, people that uplift me, people that have been there for me, and I just want to make sure that it's special and very, very memorable, so, yeah. I will be in Miami! Um, where, where better to be for your 21st birthday than Miami? Um, I'm going to Miami with, like I said, the people who have been there for me, the people who love me the most, and I'm super excited about it. And yeah, so that's all that's really been going on with me. I hope you guys do something good as well. Alright, so this next segment is Tea Time, and if you're new here, this is a segment where we talk about everything going on in pop culture right now. And I have a few things to discuss today. Number one is Dancing with the Stars. So season 32 is about to drop. And they recently, like this week, just like released their cover art and their poster. And, well, first of all, y'all, why is Alfonso the one of the new hosts? And it's like, really, Carlton? I'm sorry. I can never not see him as Carlton. So the fact that Carlton is hosting Dancing with the Stars is, is crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy. Um, 
The official air date for season 32 has not been announced. They're trying to keep it on the DL. But on September 13th, the full cast will be revealed on Good Morning America. T. So I really wonder who's going to be on it. I feel like there's always like three really, really, really big stars that people are surprised. I don't know why, y'all, but why do I want Little Baby to be on Dance with the Stars? <laughs> That'll probably never happen. I don't think a man of his stature would ego would allow him to be on a show where you're dancing most of the time. But I think it would be really funny just because he has a good personality and he seems he's very likable. I think it would be funny to see him on Dance with the Stars. But I don't know who's going to be on there. Hopefully it's somebody like not controversial, but also somebody that everyone likes. I don't know. What if Ice Spice was on there? That would be crazy. That would be crazy. I don't know, but I'll definitely be tuning in to Good Morning America on September 13th because I want to know. I want to know. Like, I'm dying to know. My favorite season of Dancing with the Stars was the one with Zendaya. Loved it. She ate down. Beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I'm kind of excited for that. So I did want to tell you about that. Next thing is Drake announced that his new album is coming out and it's called For All the Dogs. Now, if you've seen the cover art, you can go look on his Instagram to see the cover art. It's like a black background with a white dog and like some red eyes and it looks like it looks like it might be chalk or crayon. I don't know. But in his caption he said that Adonis made it and okay, why somebody in the caption say, Drake, you know you you um drew this <laughs> Which was funny, but I was it was giving demonic, y'all. I'm not even gonna lie, like somebody was like Adonis needed to seek help because it was very dark. Like why did he draw this? I think it's really because it's on black paper that makes it look so scary, to be honest, though, because, like, I guess it's supposed to be a dog, but it's just, like, why is it, why does it have red eyes? It's, it was giving Cujo. I think it was, it looked like Cujo, like, the scary dog from back in the day, like the movie. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited, though, because I like Drake's music, but sometimes he'd be wilding, and I'm really in a season right now of filtering out my secular music, so hopefully... It's nothing too crazy, and it is stuff that I can listen to. Um, most of his older albums have stuff I can listen to because it's kind of chiller. Like, I really like the album with Resistance over Fancy, Shut It Down. What is that album called? Oh, is it called? And it's called Thank Me Later. Thank Me Later. I like that album. I like Scorpion. Um, and, of course, I like the one with Marvin Gaye. So, all his old stuff, basically. I was not too crazy about the one with the pregnant women undercover. I don't even know what that's called. <laughs> And I wasn't too crazy about the one that was, like, the techno music. I wasn't crazy about that one either, but to each is its own. Okay, and so next I wanted to talk about this Shade Room drama that popped off. Okay, this is going to be a lot to digest, but just hear me out, y'all. So last week I told you all that Biden was sending relief aid to Maui, which was $700 per household. But this sparked a lot of outrage on social media and specifically led to a post by the Shade Room which was met with a lot of backlash and basically the post said the same exact thing but it was met with backlash from a tiktok creator named j williams j his content is really good he's super smart you should watch it if you haven't but basically j william j called them out and he says that they give false information to the public and they use things for clickbait and he basically just says that it's like it's not a good news source and that the the founder of the organization, the CEO, basically knows this and is okay with giving out, giving out false information. And he talks about how they didn't go beyond the $700 and actually talk about everything that Joe Biden is doing. So now we're just going to pause just so I can tell you guys what's actually going on in Hawaii. So FEMA, if you don't know what FEMA is, it was actually a 
a federal organization that, you know, came into fruition after Katrina. Um, you know, the big devastation, national emergency, all that type of thing. Post-Katrina in 2006, there was like a, a reform act that made um, FEMA get passed by Congress or whatever. So anyway, um, FEMA gets passed and now FEMA is in charge of any emergency management type thing. And so, you know, of course the wildfires in Maui constitutes as that. And, you know, FEMA was designated, you know, for the advisor to the president. So Joe Biden's advisor. But of course, Joe Biden has say in, in all of this stuff. Okay. So what people are talking about is in reference to FEMA giving household owners of Maui $700 per household to help assist them with clothing, food, transportation, immediate needs. Um, and so technically, when, when the Post says Joe Biden is giving $700 to the people in Maui, that's true. That is true. That's what the federal government is giving directly to these people. But in addition, where they didn't go further at is that um, there's 5.6 million in aid that has been delegated through FEMA for Maui. Um, and basically, J. William J. felt some type of way about the Shade Room now reporting on that amount as well. Now, we don't really know what the 5.6 million is you know, being used on, it just says in aid, but to be honest, it's probably like, you know, rebuilding infrastructure, just trying to get the Maui really back to its original state, you know, so that they can get tourists back. That's how they made most of, most of their money. So now that, you know, the scenery is devastated, the trees, you know, the ground, the grass, everything is not going to be like a big tourist destination. So they have to put a lot of money into, you know, rebuilding this up. And so, yeah, and so they said FEMA has paid $2.3 in rental assistance so far, you know, just moving those people out of their houses, getting them in hotels and safer places and things like that. So basically, J. William J. goes on and he says that he calls out the CEO of Shade Room for not also adding the other parts like into the post because he's saying that the Shade Room uses clickbait, you know, to get people in, but then people don't actually read the story. And then the CEO was saying, you know, like, we report people. If people only look at the first slide, that's on them. They should look at everything, da 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 And then Jay William, Jay basically saying, like, you guys aren't even making it, um, like, available to them. You aren't promoting it. You only promote these lines. So basically they were just going back and forth, which led to the shade room taking down the picture, allegedly, um, because Jay William J says he went back on there. He couldn't see it. He didn't find it. He told other people to go back on it. They didn't see it. They didn't find it. So then he makes a tweet basically saying, like, they deleted this after I brought this to attention. Da 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 da. They're not correcting it. They're not making posts to, you know, spread the new information. Like, they just deleted it and trying to sweep it under the rug. And then the CEO comes back and says, no, I didn't. The post is still up there. And then Jay William J says he goes back to Instagram. And then the post is now back up there. But he knows for a fact it wasn't. But he doesn't have any proof to support that. Um, so they, they basically just go back and forth and back and forth. So but then the shade room just becomes this huge topic on Twitter as a whole. Um, and they said that they spread misinformation. They're bad for the black community. They are not giving out quality information, which is, of course, not good because then people are taking small stories and running with them. It was just a whole lot, a whole lot. Of, but honestly, I feel like it was kind of unnecessary because while the shade room didn't put the whole thing in the title, what they put wasn't exactly wrong because technically the people in Maui are only getting $700 in their pockets. Um, 
the rest are just being used as aid. Now, if they end up getting more down the line, or if they end up delegating more of the aid as personal funds, that's one thing. But as of now, they're only getting $700 in their pockets for immediate relief. So technically it's true. But I do understand Jay William Jay's point of view in saying that they should be covering all of the aid that Maui is receiving as a whole instead of just, you know, using this one thing to make Joe Biden look bad or make it look like he's not um, sending them any help. But honestly, I'm not going to lie, it's still not enough. In my opinion, in my humble political scientist major opinion, it's still not enough. The amount of money that he gives Ukraine, granted they are in a whole war, fair enough, but the amount of money that he has put into other countries um, instead of his own is kind of crazy to me. Like, I still feel like it should be way more. It should be way more efforts. This should be a lot bigger than what it is. It should be national help. Like, people should be able, and I know people are freely able to donate and give however much, but I feel like there should be a government-organized donation center. for Like, it's just so many different things that I feel like should be being done to help Maui. And I just feel like Joe Biden is definitely being very, very political. Um with his stance in Ukraine. Like, I don't know what it is with him and the whole Ukraine and Russia situation, but I just feel like there are so many areas and things in the U.S. that need attention that are just not getting it right now, um, which is very unfortunate. But that pretty much wraps up the drama um, from Tea Time, the whole Shade Room thing. If you want to learn more about it, you can go on Twitter, though. There are so many threads dragging the Shade Room and talking about how it's, like, the worst thing that ever happened to black people. But I feel like we all know what we get when it comes to the Shade Room. We get we go on there for quick information, usually about celebrities. You want to hear about celebrities or what's going on. It's not anybody's, like, main source of, okay, well, it may be some people's main source of news. It's not anybody that's highly educated main source of news, but it is easy, accessible, and, you know, is open to the public. So I think that's why most people use it. But that's all I have to say about tea time. Let's go on to the next segment. All right, so this next segment is give her her flowers. And today I will be giving Maya Angelou her flowers. So a part of my course curriculum this year is intro to poetry writing. And we had to find an exemplary piece that we believe um, exemplifies who we are as a writer and what we like to write. And there's no person that I can think of finding my exemplary piece from except for Maya Angelou. Her writing is beautiful. It's diligent. She she uses her lived experiences, her personal experience, and crafts these beautiful pieces of literature um, with them that not only are representative of what she went through, but also reflects the lives of people who can also find their identity in, in her, like being Black growing up in America, oppression, you know, not wanting to be alone. And her writing is absolutely beautiful. If you have not read a poem, I feel like everybody has heard Phenomenal Woman at least. If you have never heard Phenomenal Woman, you need your Black Power Vote immediately. Um, (laughs) We are taught to recite it very, very early on. So I'm sure that at least all the Black women have heard it at least five times, especially at church um, or at school. But a couple of her notable poems are Still I Rise, Phenomenal Woman, On the Pulse of Morning, Woman Work, I Shall Not Be Moved, um, We Had Him. There's a couple more. I feel like I'm leaving out some good ones. A Brave and Starling Truth. There are so many. She has written for so long. She's so notable love 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 Maya Angelou she I would put her in the same category with like Zora Neale Hurston and so many other 
um, black women who write literature. Absolutely amazing. I, I look up to all of them. Their writing is beautiful. And I hope to one day write pieces that are t- as timeless as theirs. Um, and yeah, so Maya Angelou is not, no longer with us. She has passed away, but her flowers are well-deserved and long, long overdue. All right, guys, now let's get into the bulk of this episode, which is about worshiping while you wait. So I know you guys are probably thinking, like, wait for what? <laughs> um, so there's called something called a season of waiting. And it basically means that you are being still and knowing that God is God and that he's working things out for a greater and bigger good for you. And you can wait for a multitude of things. There's no limit on what your waiting season has to be for or about, but you just know you're waiting. And so the the main objective of this podcast is to tell you guys that you can worship while you wait. You can have good, strong faith, you know, bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit while you wait. And so we're going to break it down. And first, I want to talk about God's plan. So I know like when you first hear that word, you're probably thinking of Drake's song, God's plan. And I mean, while I'm not exactly talking about that, he does say like the whole point of the song is that he's following God's plan. Like everything that happens in his life is God's plan. And what you need or what is required of you in order to follow God's plan is faith. It's it's one of the biggest things that you need um, to be obedient in your season of waiting, honestly, is to believe that the thing you're waiting for is worth the wait. The thing that you're waiting for is going to happen. The thing that you're waiting for is being led by God, that he is doing the behind the scenes work and that you are being still and knowing that your God is good and he is faithful and he is loving and he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. Um, and so I wanted to give you guys a couple scriptures just to back you guys up and to make you a little bit stronger in your faith and in your belief, especially if you're growing a little bit, you know, self-conscious and not like being reassured that you are waiting and that God is working and that you are worth him actually working for. So here we go. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is a heavily, heavily heavily quoted scripture. Jeremiah 29 11 is a sacred piece for a lot of Christians because I think one thing that all of us love is hope. We all love the idea of hope and um, the fact that it ends with plans to give you hope in the future, it just speaks volumes because it doesn't matter where you're at right now. It doesn't matter what you don't have. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. There's a future out there, one that God is planning, one that is already written, one that is already done. Like, when he makes plans for us, it's a set in stone. There's nothing that we can do to mess it up or change it or alter it. Like, we don't have enough power to mess up what God has already written. But your choices will lead you to if you ever get to see that. Um, but Jeremiah 29, 11 is just so good because it reassures us that God has already made plans for us. He declared it himself, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. He would never make a plan or write your story in a way where you wouldn't be happy, in a way where you wouldn't accept what he's offered to you, in a way where you would be harmed somehow. You know, God is a good God. He is faithful and he is loving. And so he wants you to be happy. He wants you to be, you know, content with where you are and not always be longing and wanting for more. But so often we mess that up by the desires of our heart, by different influences, falling into temptation, not staying faithful, 
not believing what we have been told, not saying in our words so that we have biblical principles to back up, you know, ourselves when we get doubtful. And which leads me to my next scripture, which is 37, 14, it's a psalm. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oftentimes where we mess up is the desires of our heart because that's when we start to get influenced on making our own plans. You've always dreamed about being a fashion designer and you know that the fashion market is crazy in New York. So you're doing all these things and you're writing down all these plans and you're looking at the best fashion school. You're looking at the credentials that you'll need. You're looking at all these different things. And in reality, God never put that desire on your heart. And so this is something that you have. And you're like, I want this for me. I want to be here. I'm doing this. And God is like, but I have something so much bigger, so much better for you. Not only did I want you to do fashion, but I wanted you to do it in Paris, not in New York. I wanted you to go into luxury designer fashion. But since you were so adamant on this one place because you built up, you know, all these ideas around how beautiful it was. Honestly, you made it an idol. And a lot of times that is what we do to our dreams. That is what we do to the desires of our heart. We make it an idol. And sometimes that blinds us to the bigger and better opportunities that God has out there for us. And a lot of times this causes um, the desires of our heart to lead us and not be led by God, not be led by his word. And so what we have to do is kind of take a back seat. And you have to pray. You have to ask God. You have to invite God in. That That's a big thing. You need to invite God into your heart and say, can you align our desires? Can you make your desires my desires and my desires your desires so that I will never get lost or that I will never drift away from you because I have made a desire bigger than you in my in my mind and in my heart. And I prayed that prayer a few times because I sometimes I just be tripping, y'all. I'm not going to lie. I be wilding. And I'll be coming up with all this different big stuff I want to do. But I'm like, is this really God's plan for me? Like, is this how he wants me to live my life? Is this how he wants me to, like, do things? And so sometimes I try to take a back seat and I say, God, if, especially with people as well, sometimes I'll have friendships or I'll like someone and I'll think, God, is this for me? Should this be the desire of my heart? Am I being tempted by other things? Like, if this is for me, then you can leave this desire on my heart. You can leave this desire um on me of me wanting to know them of me wanting to be friends with them on me strengthening relationships with them but if it's not just remove my desire you know like make me it's really a hunger so you know make my hunger cease or make my hunger stronger depending on what it is but if you pray that god will definitely make his desires your desires and you will start to shift your focus onto something completely different next i want to talk about proverbs sixteen nine, which says a man's heart plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. This is also heavily quoted because a lot of times we make steps that we believe will lead us to our goals. And sometimes you and God can have a common goal, but the steps that you want to take to get there are not aligned. You know, you may think, I want to go to this huge university and then lead me here and then here, and then I'll get this dream job that I've been planning to do. And while God wants you to have the dream job, maybe he doesn't want you to go to university to get it. Maybe there are other routes. Maybe there are other things he wants you to do, other people that you need to encounter that if you go to university, you won't never get to encounter other people you might need to spread the gospel to or get saved. And you'll never get that opportunity because you're so strict on your plans. And this is where the depression part hits in because your plans are always going to fail. <laughs> your plans by yourself are always going to fail. They are never going to be into fruition or you're going to get what you want. And you're going to be sad and depressed. Anyways, I've said this in another podcast, but depression spawns from us and our own 
plants failing and us having so much pride in our own plants that we literally fall into ruin when we realize that they're not working, that it's not panning out the way we thought it was and that our plants are not succeeding. And so we fall into this deep depression of sadness and despair and all of these other things because of this. And sometimes your plans are, you think somebody's going to be with you forever and they're not. You think you're going to have this job and then you don't get it. You work so hard all the years of college and you don't get into the grad school you want. You start your own business and then it fails, but you thought it was led by God. Like sometimes our plans are crazy. They're out of this world. And God is just saying, your plans are fine. Even though they're crazy, they're fine. But let me delegate your steps. Let me tell you where to go. Let me tell you which opportunity is for you. Let me tell you which business partner to pick. Let me lead you into the desire that we both share. And I think it's something that we all need to keep in mind. Okay, and lastly, I have two more, which is first, first Corinthians 2, 9 and Isaiah 64, 4, which are exactly the same thing. The first Corinthians quotes Isaiah 64, 4, which basically says, um, no eye has seen, no ear heard, no heart imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. This was in my bio for so long because I needed this hope. And for those of us who follow God, who lay down our life and who take up our cross, know that God has something so big for us, something so attainable for us, um, that we can't even physically fathom it. We can't even imagine how good God's favor is in our life, all the things that he's going to bring us to, bring, bring us through, all the things he leads us to, you know, what we will become. It's something beautiful, and I think that scripture gives so much hope. And next, I want to talk about an analogy. So there's this bus analogy. It's very, very popular among Christians. So here's the analogy. You are going to catch a bus. Um, this bus is leading you somewhere that you desire. So we're going to give an example so you guys can really visualize this. So there is an interview. Now, this interview can be whatever you want to be. It's an interview for a loan from the bank for your new business. It's an interview for your law school. It's an interview for med school. It's an interview for whatever, y'all. You need to catch this bus, okay? If you don't catch this bus, that's wraps. You're going to miss the interview. The deadline's cut. This is it. So you're praying. You're getting ready, and you're praying, and you're like, God, I really want to catch this bus. I really want to catch this bus. I need to catch this bus. Like This is the bus for me. I need this opportunity. I need this opportunity. Please let me catch this bus. So then you go outside. And you book it, you're running, you're running, you're running, you're running. And you get to the bus stop and you see the bus in, in your view, in your past view, and it's, it's already past the stop. You have to know right then and there that if you miss that bus, it's because you prayed. And if you book it and you run and the bus is there and you get on, it's also because you prayed. So the analogy is that if you miss a bus, some type of desire for your heart that you thought was for you, it was because God allowed you to miss it. He didn't want you to get on. And here's something to remember, though. If you miss the bus, God is definitely bringing a bigger bus. Never think that God allowed you to miss a bus and didn't have anything else inside for you. Never think that God allowed you to miss an opportunity and never had something bigger or better or greater for you. I actually have a testimony about that, and I'll probably share it later in this part because it kind of goes with another thing we're talking about. So for now, let's move on to seasons, and then we are going to come back to this bus analogy, okay? 
Now, for seasons, I want you guys to think about Ecclesiastes. I used to say that wrong all the time, y'all. It used to be eating me up. <laughs> but I can say it right now. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. Because it talks about seasons. Um, and it talks about the timing of the things that happen in seasons. So I'm going to read it for you guys. Because I absolutely love it. It used to be one of my favorites. And I shared it at my Bible study with my friends. And they loved it too. So I think you guys would too. So here it goes. A time for everything. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sell, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. That is literally saying that there is a time for everything. Um, God makes everything perfect in his own perfect timing, you know. Everything that's supposed to happen has a specific time God wants it to happen. There's no coincidences. Nothing is just happening out of the blue. Everything is sewn together in a rhythm and in a way that God thought it needed to be for it to come into fruition, for it to prosper. And so the season of waiting is important because we try to rush things that were always going to happen anyway. But all we have to do is wait. It's the same reason people always say, well, how come God just doesn't tell us our plans? Then we'll already know. We won't really have to have faith. Like, we can just already be very confident in him. But the truth is, is because if, if God told us our plans, let's be real, we'd all find alternate ways to get there faster. Patience is not a quality that a lot of us have right now, which is okay, because we're building towards it. But we have to be honest about where we're at. And if God told us, I think everybody needs to take a little bit of accountability. If God told you who your spouse was going to be, if he told you what house you'd end up having, if he told you what job you'd end up having, if he told you where you'd be, you would find an alternate path to get there, which is why he doesn't, which is why there is a season for everything and a time for everything, because he doesn't want us to mess it up. <laughs> God loves us enough, enough to know that we mess it up, so he doesn't tell us, which is fine. But he does give confirmation. He does let you know that things are for you. He does let you know that things aren't for you, and he allows you as a child, to grow up and to make the right decisions, cutting out what is killing you and, you know, keeping what is helping you, what is allowing you to live, especially through seasons. So let's talk about this, the types of seasons. There are many, 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 many types of seasons you can be in. A lot of them are seasons of waiting. I feel like that is the biggest thing, and that's what this episode is about. Now, waiting means a bunch of different things. You can wait for a job. You can wait for a new home. You can wait to travel the world. You can be waiting to go into your next season. You can be in a season in a season of stillness, which is also waiting. You can be waiting for a spouse. You can be waiting for a child. You can be a waiting season is anything you are waiting on God to help you with. Financials, anything, and you're waiting for it. There's also seasons of patience. There are seasons of character building. There are seasons of spiritual warfare. There are seasons of trial and tribulation. There are seasons of acquiring knowledge. There are seasons of foundation. 
I believe that last December I was in a season of foundation, which was basically building up your faith. Um, it reminds me of that song that's like, rain came, wind blew, but my house was built on you. We all need a foundation as Christians. And so, you know, once we make that decision to give our lives to God, there's always a season of foundation building, you know, building what it is as Christians, as believers, we need to have to excel in our faith. Um, and yeah, so those are the different types of seasons. I think everyone, every once in a while, you need to kind of sit back and when you feel like things are different, things are changing, you need to reevaluate what kind of season you're in and, you know, what the season means for you, what you think God wants you to learn in this season. And then you need to actually go out there and put works behind your faith and ensure that you're not wasting your season. Don't waste your season of waiting. Don't waste your season of character building. Don't waste your foundational season. Don't waste your season of trial and tribulation, you know. Power through. Make sure that you're actually um, acquiring the abilities and the characteristics that God wanted you to get from this season. So lastly, I just wanted to talk about God's promises, guys. So God has a lot of promises. And I know you guys probably hear this a lot because as a baby Christian, I heard it a lot. And I used to always think, um, what do people mean when they say God promises? Like, are, like, is he supposed to tell me my promises to, to me, like, through prayer? Like, is the Holy Spirit supposed to come deliver my promises one night? Like, how do I know? what is for me like what and so I think I was thinking about it too much in a tangible way because I'm thinking oh God's going to tell me like where I'm going to end up living what I'm going to end up doing everything's going to happen in my life and in that way like I already know what's going on but I basically thought that God was going to deliver um my plans on a silver platter to me y'all like and I thought I was just going to eat it up (laughs) and be done but obviously that didn't happen and so there are other promises that God says in the Bible that we are supposed to rely on um so one of God's biggest promises, in my opinion, this is the one that I heard when once I heard it, I was like, great, that's it. As long as this promise is valid, I don't even need to know any of the other ones because as long as this one is real, this is all I need. And so that's the promise that God promised us that his love would never fail. Um, it's in many different places in the Bible, but specifically if you want to find it, you can look in Chronicles 16:34. You can look in Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, that, that verse, a lot of people you know, love does not envy, love does not boast, you know, that scripture. Um, and basically at the end it says love endures all, or some translation says love never fails. Like, And that is God saying that no matter what you do, where you go, you can't hide from him. You can't hide from his love. And Chronicles 16, 34 basically says that love endures. And if you read the Bible, you know that God says he is love. And I am love which means that he is everlasting, his love is everlasting, he is faithful, he is who he says he is, he keeps his promises what he says, he'll do what he'll do. And once I heard this promise, I was like, great, all the other promises, I don't want to say they're void, but like, if God loves me forever, and nothing I can do can ever push him away, that's all I need. It reminds me of when people say, if God is all I have, then I have all that I need. And so I was thinking one day, and I was like, well, if God loves me, and that will never, ever end, then I know my plans are amazing. I know he wants to see me happy. I know he wants to see me prosper. So I don't have to worry about anything else. And this is where we're going to come back to this bus analogy. So last spring semester, I was looking for a summer internship, a legal internship. I was like, yes, God, I was praying. I was writing down my prayers. I was like, God, I want an internship. I want an internship that opens me up to many possibilities and experiences. And I want something that has paid, like, good because I the highest at that point that I had ever gotten was like $15 an hour at Target so I'm like I want something good and so I'm excited my mom tells me like 
Um, there's a Blue Cross Blue Shield scholarship, a legal internship. Um, you should look into doing it. And so I look on there, and then the legal ones end up being for law students, but there are other ones like public relations, human resources. And I was like, okay, great. I can do one of these, and they can give me some better skills. So I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, I just prayed this a couple of days ago, and then my mom's telling me about um, this job. So I'm like, I'm about to apply. I'm about to, I'm, I'm like, I'm about to put some works behind my face. And yeah, so I applied. I'm excited. I'm happy. I look on there. It's a 22 an hour for um, juniors, rising juniors. I was like, oh yeah, this is more than I've ever gotten. Denied. <laughs> I did not get the internship. And when I tell y'all, like, my heart broke. Because first off, y'all probably don't know this about me, but I'm actually a Blue Cross Blue Shield NC scholar, which means that they are paying for uh, part of my tuition. So I'm like all four years too. So I'm like, so y'all, hold on. Because y'all awarded me with you all scholarship. So y'all didn't think I was good enough for to work for y'all, but I'm good enough for y'all to pay for my school? Like, I, I was really blown back. And so I'm praying, and I'm I'm salty. So I'm like, God, like, what happened? Like, I thought we was I thought we was getting an internship, and it paid 22 an hour. Like, what happened? And so I had to be still and know that God is God. And what did I say? If you pray that you catch the bus and you miss the bus, it's because God is bringing a bigger bus. So time goes on and I'm still just applying, applying, applying for all these different things, not hearing back. I'm exhausting my options. And that's what people say. To have faith, you have to exhaust your options. You're like, okay, there's nothing I can do. Like I can look up internships all day long, but if God don't want me to have any of these, I ain't going to have any of them. They're not going to reach back out to me. I'm not going to get them. So at this point, I was like, I'm done. Like, I've exhausted all my options. Maybe nobody wants me to work for them. Maybe I'm in right back up at Target. Okay, so a couple days later, my mailbox pings. And it's Honors Carolina basically saying that there's a legal internship with a huge corporation at Capital One. And they're saying that only two honor students can have it, can get it. And there's a multitude of honor students, y'all. So I'm like, oh, I don't already tried all these other ones. I'm probably not going to get it, but let me just apply anyway. And so I apply. And they're like, maybe a week after me applying, they're like, we'd like to interview you. I do my interview a week after that. They're like, you got the job. And I'm like, yay. Like, I was so excited. I was so happy. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, but watch this. Like, there's always something. I'm Here's me being negative. I'm like, there's always something. Watch it be unpaid. And so we're going over the financials of the internship. When they said how much they were paying an hour, my jaw dropped. It was over double what Blue Cross Blue Shield NC was paying for their interns. Over double. Like, when I, t- I have never, I know adults that do not get paid what I got paid this summer. I was shooketh. I was like, what in the world? Not only did I get paid a lot, I got to relocate out of the state to Virginia. Um, I got to be in Richmond and in McLean, which is right on the outskirts of Washington, D.C. Um, we took a trip to McLean. They paid for the hotel. Um, we didn't have to transport. So they, they took care of the transportation. I met so many different people. I met so many amazing people. It was one of the best opportunities and experiences that I've ever had in my life. 
as well as it was my first corporate legal internship. So if you ever guys hear people talk about corporate or big law, it's like a really hard institution of the legal field. Like it's a hard practice. So to get an internship with a corporate, as a corporate legal intern was crazy. It was crazy. And the amount of people that I met that was like, you know, I went to this law school and if you want to get in, let me know. I can write a, a letter to admissions. That, like, it was it was crazy. And I was like, all of this, and I wanted to work at Blue Cross Blue Shield, which was remote. I would have been sitting at home at my desk making way less than what I actually made. And I was thinking, I was so heartbroken and devastated over that just because I couldn't be patient and I couldn't be still in no that time slot. I could not be faithful. And so, of course, you know, I have to humble myself before the Lord. And I apologize for <laughs> being angry and doubtful and not being patient. And then, I, you know, I ask God to reassure me and just to make sure that, you know, in other processes that I'd be patient and I'd allow God to do what he does. And I thanked him. I thanked him like, heck, like, I was so, I was so happy. Um, and, yeah, and so that's the analogy of the bus. I think you have to, a part of having faith is even having faith when things aren't looking good for you. You know, I missed my bus and I prayed. And so I was thinking, well, if I prayed, why did I miss my bus? But it was because God wanted me to miss the bus. It's because I prayed that I missed the bus. And so God knew what I wanted and he knew that he had something even bigger and better for me. And so he made me wait for it. And I was in a season of waiting. It sucked to wait. But what I should have been doing while I was waiting was worshiping. <laughs> because I sh- I could have been thanking him in advance for what he was about to do. And I, I I shouldn't have needed the proof to thank him for what what I knew would come. And so with all that being said, I hope you guys worship while you wait. Whatever you're waiting for, whatever season you're in, whatever you're doing, worship while you wait because God has something so big, so beautiful, and so amazing for you. That is all I have for you guys today. I love you guys, and I hope you guys have a great week. If you're new and you stayed all the way to the end, thank you so much. Your support means everything. I love you guys, and I'll see you guys next time. Well, that's the wrap for this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Join me again next Friday so we can read the room again, sis. Be blessed, loveys. Have a good week.